0: Hi, this is Andy, and thank you for joining me for the Next Stage Radicals podcast, where each month I'm joined by a Next Stage Radical, someone who is hands-on in the work of discovering new and better ways of working, challenging the conventions of Management 1.0 in order to move the world of work to the next stage. In each episode, I invite my guests to share their warts and all stories about what works and what doesn't, and what it's taking for them to make work, work better. This month's radical is Owen Lewis. Owen is Assistant Director of Sports Systems, Strategy and Services at Sports Wales, where he's been at the centre of work to reshape the role Sports Wales plays to become better adapted to complexity. This has led to some radical and ambitious changes to how Sports Wales and its partners are thinking about the role of sport, the way funding should flow and how Sports Wales can operationalise its role in accountability with partners. Owen, welcome to the podcast it's really brilliant to have you with me today how are you i'm good thanks Andy, and thanks for having me how are you i'm good thanks for asking yeah yeah Um, i've been looking forward to this actually because um well maybe just to give readers a bit of context we've really just started doing a bit of work together haven't we um and so far it's been fun so long may that continue and i'm I'm actually looking forward to this podcast as an opportunity for me to learn more about what you've been doing as well so um it's all good Shall we just get straight into it? Yeah. Fab. Okay. So you know where I wanted to start off. Um, so uh, essentially, Owen, what's your radical idea or vision? Um,
1: I mean, ultimately, why why I feel I'm here is um, supporting sport in Wales to thrive. Um, I'm I'm lucky enough to have seen the benefits. benefits of sport and activity um, and what it can really offer to people when it's when it's done really well um and i want to see more of that i I want to see sport reach further and do better things for people um and we're now really exploring what it's going to take to allow that to happen um and it's 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 lots of different things which i'm sure we'll get into now but i suppose the the place where I would start or two places where I'd start is sometimes that's just getting out of the way um so so sport happens on the ground delivered by people to people um and sometimes we've just got to get out of the way of that and allow it to happen um and I think the other thing that we've started doing which has really um opened our eyes uh or our ears probably more um uh, more specifically, is is really listening. Um, so we've done a, a, a big exercise around listening to what people in Wales actually want from sport. Um, and once you've listened and you've heard that, you, you've got to deliver on it. Um, and, and that comes as a real challenge because you, no, you can no longer deliver on what you think people want um, or things that you might hold quite dear but actually aren't that important to other people um and that comes as a obviously as a real challenge but 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 also as a real opportunity to really make the most of what sport can offer and um and and yeah really allow that thriving and and allow it to happen
0: cool thank you i mean it so i want to go in all sorts of directions immediately on that uh, but maybe just start me off with the, the thought of you know getting out the way so um what does getting out the way look like? Or indeed, what does getting in the way look like and why has that been a problem?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll start, again, I'll start on the floor where sport happens. So if you're a deliverer of sport, um, and for, for for the purposes of this, let's just think about a coach working with a group of participants. You, you you tune into what those participants need, and you adjust what you're offering, and you know you get live feedback from what's going on, and and you attune to that, and you make changes accordingly. Um, and then if you're a good coach, you get reflective feedback from participants, and you might alter what you do next session. Um, but you know the you've got twenty participants in a session; they'll all experience something slightly different based on the quality of that coach and his capacity to adjust what he's doing to suit what they need. Um, And that's what we've got to allow for, is that real flexibility for the deliverer to offer what's needed to the people that they're delivering to. And in terms of getting out the way, I think sometimes we've got to resist the urge to try and think about what conditions should that deliverer be offering to make it a good experience for the people who are there. We've we've just got to trust that that deliverer will do that. And we've got to put our focus much more on what can we do to help that deliverer? So what conditions can we create that gives that deliverer more skills, better opportunities, more access to more participants? But stop obsessing with what will that delivery look like? Because I think needs are so varied and you've got to vary what you're delivering based on interaction with those needs you can't plan that from afar and and I think sometimes that's where we get in the way is we we try and plan that from afar and what we should be planning from afar is how do we make that deliverer's life easier better you know how do we create the conditions for them to do a better job um and at the moment I think we just we, we get that balance wrong. We, we, we try to offer. Here's what a good session looks like. Here's what good delivery looks like. And I think we need to take a step back from that um, and 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 trust in good deliverers to be able to do that.
0: Got you. Got you. And I'm I'm spotting now the the links to complexity that we mentioned in the intro there. Then so um, so getting in the way looks like things like too much central planning to sort of strict a view of what good looks like at the point of delivery that that sort of stuff is that right yeah definitely um the central
1: planning bit um certainly the the yeah what does good look like on the ground i just you know that's so varied I, i just don't think it's possible to do that you know however appealing it might be to be able to and I think there's a real danger in doing that. I think we, we create an assumption that we understand need, um, and I think often we don't. Mm. Um, and I think in sport and in, and in many other sectors, you know, the only place you really understand that need is at the point of interaction. Um, and I think that, that that's the complex bit for, it, for me is we've got to create space to allow what needs to happen at that point of interaction to happen and make the central planning about something different from that so how can it facilitate better outcomes in that space how can it make things easier for deliverers and for participants but but not worry about what that
0: actually delivery looks like yeah yeah absolutely so I uh, kind of interested then in what you've been learning in the doing of this because i know you've been working away at this um and i'm imagining that maybe for some people listening that i think they'd intuitively um understand the the positive in what you're, you're sharing here but but there's a shadow side perhaps as well around you know can, can we just rely on trust is that enough and these sorts of things so can you can you just talk to us about what sort of things have you been doing um to explore that and what's that been teaching you yeah i
1: mean we, we, we've looked at um lots of different areas i I, I suppose the one that um that i'd start with is is funding um because because often you know that's a big driver for partners is access to funding and and yeah ultimately funding how you do that shapes behaviors right so i think it's 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 always a good place to look at first um and i'm probably oversimplifying this but you know previously how we funded major national partners in wales was based on them presenting us a business case and us making a judgment on how likely that business case was to succeed. Um, And I think immediately that sets you up to, you know, if you're you're the partner on the end of that, to have to create a business case that is probably more compelling than reality, um, probably holds elements of informed prediction that go slightly beyond that, and you know, really create this idea of, we know exactly what's needed here, um, this is exactly how we're going to deliver it, have faith and confidence in us because we've got this plan and the result of it will be all these people loving this sport uh, and therefore, can we have this much money, please? Um, and I think when you make investments based on judgment like that, i don't see how you get anything else you know i don't see how you get to that real honesty of you know needs on the ground vary so much here we're going to have to experiment so some of this stuff's probably not going to work um but you know how do you tell your funder that when actually how much they give you is based on their confidence in the plan that you've submitted um so what we've done is try to find a different way and we, we, we've we've tied it back to that idea around what do people in wales want um because that's you know, that's why we're here. We're here for sport and we're here for people in Wales. Um, um, we've we've started to base our funding to national partners really based on um, national level data around what people in Wales and particularly young people in Wales either currently do in terms of the sports that they play um, or would really like to do in terms of the latent demand for that sport. Um, and we feel like that's a much better place to start because... That's given us an idea of, okay, what's the scope and scale of the sport here? You know, what what is the potential uh, impact that a partner could make? And let's base the funding on that and then make the relationship about, okay, so with that amount of resource and what you're bringing to the table as well, what can we try? What can we do differently? What can we learn? You know, what, what things can we do to really make an impact here? Um, and to allow sport to thrive and I I think we've been uh, purposeful in the data that we've used so we know from long-standing national data that there are big inequalities in sport in terms of who accesses it and who doesn't so using data um, from different demographics um, and from different segments of the population um, we, we can really target those inequalities because again, you know, we've, we've got a good idea of the scope and the potential for partners to be able to make an impact on those based on what people are telling us that they currently do and what they would like to do. Um, so it gives us the chance to have some real traction in that space and have some good discussions around what could we do differently. Um, and for me, it invites a whole different type of conversation. Um, what's really difficult to admit i think for for me for anyone who worked in sport for for anyone who's in this is sometimes we just don't know what we need to do that's going to work mm. um and, and in reality the, the the answers to that are probably with the population out on the ground and the people that we're not interacting enough with but it's so easy to get into the habit of, of we know what works for some people or we've got a very good idea of that so let's just keep doing that and keep doing it a bit better and keep doing more of it in the blind hope that eventually that's going to work for people that it doesn't currently work for and I just think we've got to shift the dial on that because you know if if you take um if you take inequality as the example we've probably been pursuing that path for a long time now and we haven't seen any any significant change So, so for me it's 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 time to do something different in that space And it starts with that idea of admitting that we don't really know what's going to work. And therefore we have to be more experimental. We have to be prepared to try things and we have to be prepared to try things that maybe aren't going to work. And what we can't do as a funder is allow people to worry that by trying new things, we will penalise them with funding if it doesn't come off. We've got to create enough space that people have confidence to experiment and try. Um, or otherwise, we're going to be stuck in that cycle of, well, let's just do what we already know works and do more of it and do it better. Absolutely.
0: There's quite a few directions I'd like to take that, actually. But, but just to play back what I think I've heard first, uh, the, there's, I think, an important subtlety in what you're saying. in that if I heard you right, we're, you've moved away from saying here's the specific deliverable for this money. But, but you're using data to make sure that you're operating in spaces where there's a, a lot of potential to make a difference. That, that, that felt like a really important nuance. It's not just saying, here's the money, we trust you. It's kind of, we see a potential here based in data. Now here's the money, let, let's start learning together. Is that the gist of it? it?
1: It is the gist of it, but there's a really important learning point for us in that, I think, is that that Um, that trust comes alongside the idea of some sort of collective purpose Mm -hmm. so you know but that's what um, you know collectively that's what we're aiming at here you know this idea of improving things of allowing sport to thrive we're pointing in this direction and we want to work with and trust and give you freedom towards that purpose now, you know, there, there may be other things that a partner wants to do that sit outside of that purpose. And I think that's absolutely fine. And, you know, that they, they should rightly go on and do those things. But I think we've got to be confident enough to say we trust you and we want to work with you towards this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, uh, we've had some conversations around this over the last couple of weeks, Andy. That idea of purpose led um, is really, really important in cementing that trust um i think there's a degree of being partner led within the work that we do but, but for me it's really important that that's partner led towards this purpose um because there will inevitably be things that partners want to do that don't quite fit with that purpose um and uh, you know i repeated myself they absolutely should do that but that isn't where we should focus our support with them um we should definitely focus on that purpose element
0: yeah got you got you so i'm hearing kind of part of this new funding approach you're taking is about um, mutuality, relationships, et cetera. But but because it's about mutuality, there's the two sides to that, isn't there? So there's what you're trying to achieve and what the partner's trying to achieve and finding the common ground. Again, is that right? That's absolutely correct,
1: yeah. Um, And and again, you know, um, I I think sport is a space where... um, generally generally speaking, intentions are good. So intrinsic motivation is highly present. The need for extrinsic driver is probably not as great. But that real mutuality piece, um, I think, drives where that trust and that collaboration and that sense of collective working can can really come together.
0: Absolutely. So when you were first talking about the the funding approach and the shift you've made, I really liked the way you described it. And what was going through my head was... um, if you like, the old world of funding um, almost precipitates fake relationships, you know, fake news almost tell you whatever story you want to hear, etc. And and so it seems to me what what you're working to do here is create real authentic sort of mutual learning led relationships, etc. But but I'm wondering to what extent history brings baggage. Uh, I mean, have you found it easy to shift those relationships? So uh, uh, have partners understood this journey with you or what's the story there?
1: Uh, I, I think journey without being cliche about it is is is, is the word. Um, I think it is difficult and I think, um, you know, we, we work with a broad range of partners and I would say that um lots of them are in different places in terms of that journey towards being comfortable with this and and really being able to capitalize on it i think um and you know history is a huge piece i think for us and partners um when when you think about that mutuality being based on what people in Wales really want uh, and that being the driving purpose there's inevitably some things that fall outside that that we've always done and I include Sport Wales in that as well as partners and, and we hold quite dear mm. and you know it, it doesn't mean that there can't be ways of doing those things if there's still some benefit to it but it, it does mean you've really got a challenge but for this purposeful element of our collaboration that is no longer as important as we used to think that it is um and and that that's a huge challenge you know that's a um a historic challenge um the other challenges that I think we face are um, that idea of a equal relationship and that shift in the power balance. And I think, you know, as as many sort of extensions to government bodies, um, I think in the past we've we've been the power broker, and we've been the. Um, I suppose the parent to the child, you know, I, I don't particularly like that analogy, but you, you can see that sort of relationship, you know, the, the permission giver, the bank, the, the person who says yes or no to what you can do. And while it's hugely attractive to think there's got to be a better relationship than that, actually moving towards it can be quite daunting and quite scary. Um, and the other thing that I think I probably underestimated the most um, about old world i I like the terminology is um is that idea of how much structure and coherence it gave people you know even if it wasn't quite real and the you know the, the glossy kpis we were chasing as a result of the bid weren't really real and we were managing and gaming along the way to that it it gave real coherence and real structure and i think in this new way that we're approaching things that is sort of taken away and I'm not entirely sure yet what to replace it with because it is less ordered and there is more uh, more uncertainty and a lot more need for experimentation and not knowing things and having to try things and while that can be super exciting particularly for certain personalities it doesn't give coherence and structure and I think that's a real challenge because people are used to that order, albeit it might not be making the changes that we'd really like to see. There is comfort and routine and history in that order. And I think something that in some way approximates that, but allows us to operate in the way we need to operate, um, I think would be really, really useful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, I think seems to me that amongst the many challenges of working in complexity that's got to be you know right up there near the top um because we're not really very well built for handling uncertainty I would suggest as a, a species um so uh, yeah. have you got? sorry go on go on well I, I mean I think um I think we are and we aren't
1: you know I think actually in our day-to-day lives if you like I think we're probably much more equipped to do it than than we realize, you know, how we've evolved and, you know, family networks, friend networks, social networks are, are, are pretty complex. I just think we do it quite intuitively. I think for, for some reason in our sort of working environment, we're conditioned now to thinking that um, that complexity is not manageable um, and, you know, reducing it and making it simple or making it complicated is, is a far easier way of coping with things but i i think we can break free of that i just don't quite know how
0: yet well you know i'm kind of glad you sort of pushed back on that because where that takes me is to something else i know you've been working on which is accountability because i i wonder if one of the things that allows us to be better adapted to complexity in our personal lives is that we don't have someone holding the sword of damocles over our head Um, um you know so I'm curious I I know you've been experimenting with accountability you want to talk about that for a bit
1: yeah um I mean it 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 fits into the idea um we've we've covered a little around shifting the relationship so it being much more about being comfortable to trust and explore than to defend and justify um and You know that that for for me that comes from working towards a purpose with that understanding that we don't know exactly what we need to do along the way, Um, and even sort of subtle shifts in language. And again, Andy, you know, I'd, I'd credit you with some of these, but helping partners to give an account of what they're doing, what they're trying, what they're learning, rather than holding them to account for. Well, you said you were going to deliver X. Where is it? You know, and and shifting that dynamic so that we give partners the space to practice responsibly um, and to try things and to learn from those things and to adapt what they do next based on what they've learned from what they've just done. Um, and and again, you know, that that's been a challenge, probably for similar reasons that we've we've already discussed is. It brings an element of uncertainty and disorder to it you know it's um whether I like it or not um it's it's quite easy to say well we're going to set out to achieve this so hold us accountable for that and if we achieve it give us a big tick and a pat on the back and a little bit more money and if we don't um we'll give you all the reasons why it didn't happen and shake our hand and give us the same amount of money and we'll we'll be okay so that that's how things have worked and it's kind of stumbled along that way and it's been okay Mm. so getting away from that I think is is difficult and I I think one of the reasons I'm probably not explaining this brilliantly at the moment is is again you know the admission that we don't really know exactly how to do this yet and we are definitely experimenting in this space but um some of the shifts that we've tried to use so um i suppose some of the probes that we're trying to get people into the mindset that we would want is set out to collect data that's going to help you to improve rather than to prove to us how good you are um so so don't collect the data set so that you can justify to us you know look how well we've done come to us and let's discuss data about you know well, we could improve based on this. And what is this data telling us? You know, what would we do as a result of that? So I think that's a shift is, yeah, less about justification, more about improvement when it comes to data and insight and that side of things. Um, and even the, the, you know, the the relationship itself. So, so rather than that idea of I'm going to come in today and I'm going to hold you to account and you know, I've, um, I'm borrowing this and paraphrasing from other people, but the the physical response that that generates you in terms of, oh well, I'm being held to account. You know, I'm I'm pretty tight here. I'm going to defend this. I'm I'm ready for that. I'm I'm up for this conversation. You know, and it it puts you on that defensive back foot. Whereas flipping that and just you know, let's let's help each other here. You know, let's have an account of what we've both done towards this purpose you know towards this bit that we're both collectively working to it's a completely different conversation but what doesn't come out of the end of it is a neat tick box of yes you've done this yes you've done that no you missed that yes you've done this and again that lack of coherence or structure um i think is a stumbling block for us at the moment into how we really capitalize on it
0: Thanks for that, Owen. I think I think it's really helpful the way you're being transparent about that because I, I mean, I recognise it for one, and I think there's a lot of people out there. It seems to me you're trying to do versions of the sort of thing that you're describing. Um, so maybe maybe that's one of the um, frontiers in which we all need to be operating. Is well, how do how do you provide that um, sort of pseudo certainty in the context of uncertainty? <laughs> yeah exactly
1: that Andy and and if it helps as well like I, I've tried to um I, I've explored this from a risk perspective because because I think that that doesn't sort of doesn't always jump into your mind when you think complexity is sort of risk management and that side of things it feels slightly more old world at least in my mind but I, I think you can apply risk to this and that you know they There are risks to not doing accountability in the old way in that it's harder to give um, interim milestone measures and progress reports, you know, albeit that they maybe weren't quite as real as they thought we were, as we thought they were. They they were there and it was a tracker and it was that sense of security. So there is a risk to that. But to me, the bigger risk, knowing that we're not making the impact that we want to make doing things in that way, that the bigger risk is not trying something new. And I think that risk balance has really helped me is that I can tolerate the risk around, at the moment, not being able to report progress as well or to assure quite as well as we have done in the past. Because the alternative is that we just carry on doing that, but we know that our end purpose and our outcome, we're not gonna hit it because we've been doing that forever and it hasn't led to where we need to. So the risk of not trying something new, for me is bigger than any risk associated with what we used to get that we don't get anymore.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And if you don't mind, I might just take us into what could be a bit of an uncomfortable area then, because I think right at the top of this podcast when you were talking about, you know, sometimes we just need to get out of the way, a, a parallel was going through my head, which was to healthcare, and we've got the Hippocratic Oath and you know, do no harm essentially. And yet, we know that in healthcare, um, substantial amounts of harm are caused iatrogenically, you know, through the intention to do something good for and with a patient, we end up creating harm. And I know there have been stories like that in the world of sport as well. Um, so, I, so, I, I. I wonder if you would mind just exploring that for a minute, because it seems to me that the risk you're talking about is more than the risk of just missing out on a new potential. It's also um, locking in a, a risk that's already crystallized around causing harm through the intention to do good. Do you want to just share any thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah, I will. I mean, I won't get. Uh, I won't get into detail of any of that because i think it's, it's probably best not to but you know i i'd i'd always challenge as a as a funder and as a policy setter if you like you know have we played any role in exacerbating that chance that you've just described so that chance that people who broadly work with good intent will do harm um unintentionally or as a result of the conditions around them Um, and you know I think all funders have got to look at themselves really hard around that and you know we we mentioned at the top of this piece that um, generally speaking people who work in sport are intrinsically motivated and that intrinsic motivation is enough to make them do what they want to do and do the right things and do it with good intent. Um, I have a view that in that world, if you introduce a level of extrinsic motivation, um, which you know some funding models do so a small medals will give you more money you know that's quite a powerful extrinsic motivation. Uh, I worry that that can drive people to do things that they wouldn't have done under different environmental conditions um, you know whether that's culturally Mistreat athletes or behave with athletes in a way that we really wouldn't want them to, or whether it's as an athlete, you know, even move into that space of, well, is this performance-enhancing drug worth considering, or it, you know, is this like little grey area where this is a drug that could be allowed if I get a, um, an exemption for it? You know, I, I just I don't know, but I I I think we should consider if we overdo the extrinsic motivational factors could we inadvertently drive people into that space? Um, and it's a really tough one to have to sit with and challenge, but I think we've got to think about those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll not hold you in in that thought um, for too long, but I, I just to echo your point, it seems to me like there's a responsibility to at least consider it. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that I guess that takes me to which um, is maybe going super broad in terms of our conversation, but all, almost the dynamic that you've hypothesized there around, you know, how as a funder in sport, it, it's possible that we could create behaviors that we wouldn't intend um, and affect athletes' well-being and so on. It, it seems to me that that story or that hypothesis could be writ large in society too, that, you know, we, we use extrinsic motivators in all sorts of spheres, especially in the world of work. And I wonder what that's doing to the well-being of individuals in all sorts of sectors. Um, So uh, do comment if you want, otherwise I'll move along. (laughs) Uh,
1: Again, you know, I think it's um, I think it's something that people that are in those positions should should think about and consider. Um, And I, I don't think it's completely black and white. I do think there are Certain situations where an element of extrinsic motivation can help, um, but I, I I just don't think we should do it blindly. Um, and I suppose that would be my comment: is I, I worry that we've got into the habit of doing it blindly. And if we have, we should really challenge ourselves and get ourselves out of that habit.
0: Cool. I like that. I mean, I think anything that involves a bit of thinking rather than thinking practice feels like. That's where responsibility lives. So, um, so that gets my approval for what that's worth. Um, cool. So, um, so we've explored a bit about in terms of what is the vision. You know, kind of what are you doing to spread that vision in practice? Some of the barriers and challenges, I suppose. But, um, do you ever doubt this direction of travel, or or does it feel like it's definitely the right stuff? And the, the problem to solve is how.
1: Ah, uh, that's a uh, that's a great question. I mean, I I don't know whether doubt is the right word, but I mean my immediate thought to that question was I, I doubt it every day. Um, <laughs> is, is the honest answer. And that's where I'm wondering whether doubt is the right word, because I, I, I I'm I'm convinced enough, I'm motivated enough to know that what we're trying to do here. Um, is is the right way of taking things maybe worry is a better word I I worry every day that um, that we're maybe not quite ready or we're um, we I suppose it's the same thing but we don't quite know enough yet to know how to do it Mm -hmm. Um, I guess generally speaking I'm I'm an optimist so you know my my optimism is telling me well if you're not ready now when are you going to be you know and Uh, And if you don't know how to do it, well, you're not going to know how to do it unless you have a go and see what works and what doesn't work. So, you know, I I benefit from all those kind of optimistic, opportunistic, risk conscious, but risk tolerant sort of behaviours. I I do know that not everyone is in that space. And, you know, fundamentally, I'm a I'm a people person. I'm a relationship person. and, And I struggle, you know, I struggle to see. The discomfort that this causes people. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone, but you know, a, a significant amount of people. And often people that I've had really good, long-standing relationships with and, and done really good work with. And, you know, I, 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 I would contend that the majority of that really good work that we've done with people has not been done as a result of the old way of old world way of working. It's been more like how have we got around that but we we probably associated it with the old way of working because you know that, that that's how things were so so that's a real struggle for me and and you know the the, the the easiest thing to do to put that uncertainty to rest and to comfort that discomfort is just to say oh do you know what don't worry about it let's just carry on you know it wasn't bad it was okay we were, we were doing okay you know let's not let's not strive here to do something different because because I feel the tension and you know, and sometimes you do, I think sometimes less so in this virtual world at the moment, but you feel that physical element of tension when you're speaking to some people about this. Um, So yeah, it's a very long winded answer to your question, Andy, but I I do, I I worry. And as a result of that, probably doubt every day um but my conviction's strong enough that i can i I can cope with that and come through it and just reflecting back on that idea of this other people finding this uncomfortable i'm going to challenge myself on that a bit and and actually the the high level notion of this i don't think people do find uncomfortable at all because it's quite intuitive you know if you strip everything back from it that idea of let's work towards a purpose and let's work out how best to do it along the way you know that's how good things happen you know that's that's how anything good in my mind has ever happened so intuitively it's not that frightening I think the discomfort comes from how we've structured things in work for a long time and giving up that structure and that coherence I think is where the Discomfort and the uncertainty and the and the tension and the worry comes from. Yeah, and yeah, I'm repeating, but I I struggle to know how best to help people with that. Yeah, but I do know that the answer is not to say, "Well, let's not bother. Let's just keep things as they are."
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great answer. Um, and I think the. Seems to me that the worry or the doubt or however we frame it is uh, probably a appropriate mechanism to keep ourselves honest in doing this sort of work. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I wonder because I, I, back to your point about on one level this is intuitive, I think for people. I I do personally wonder how much of the discomfort is just sort of habit and routine. So you know, there's that, but also. A lingering sort of maybe even unconscious doubt uh, that someone's not going to turn up and mark their scorecard again later you know
1: i i think there's a huge element of that and, I, and again you know there's a responsibility to a funder particularly but any um any organization that's embarked on this sort of journey is is to not do that is is to not turn up one day and say okay here's the scorecard and I'm going to score you cuz for me that's trust one, yeah I think you, you can't espouse that way of working knowing that those doubts are going to be there and then give those doubts a chance to realize themselves you know I think that's um, that's not the right way of doing things I I think as well Andy speaking from a, a personal perspective probably there's there's a big element of vulnerability to this you know it it, it challenges that idea that you know I'm in a senior position here, and I can say we're going to achieve this, and it's all within my control, and whether we achieve it or not is down to how good I am as a leader um and i I'm, I'm talking about myself there, but that could be relevant to you know any people in any context really I think um and th- the reality is that that's just not true you know w- w- it, 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 unless you're talking about something really simple like I don't know you know the number of units you could produce in an hour or, or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, that idea that you can control that and whether it succeeds or fails is down to you is just not true. But giving up that idea is, is really quite vulnerable because it, I guess it's that admission that, you know, there are things that we like to think are within our control here that just aren't. Um, and then that makes you think about, well, I can't control that. What is it that I'm focusing on? And then I think we're going full circle here and getting back into that idea of how do we get out the way and make space for the people who are actually delivering and interacting to do what's needed to be done at that point. Mm. As a leader or a policymaker or a decision maker, that makes you have to think very differently about what your role is
0: um, than I think what is traditionally thought of as your role. Yeah, and I think that raises another uh, explanation perhaps for where some of the discomfort lies that, you know, if if part of what you've described there is the realisation that um, wearing pants over trousers and a cape isn't the answer to how to make good things happen, you know, we've got to give up a bit of ego and all the rest of it, but also it seems to me we've got to recognise that there are skills we might have great pride in that are not so relevant anymore and new skills that we may not have great competence in that are ultra relevant and uh, I know myself that you know that that's personally that's quite a tough journey isn't it that that's about saying well I've spent a long time in my career becoming an expert in this thing but the world needs that thing (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah I mean that's that's a big challenge but but again I mean, again, maybe this is the optimist in me, but isn't isn't that the exciting bit as well? You know, it's uh, back to that idea of do we just keep doing the same things more and better, or do we broaden our horizons and think about how do, how do we do this differently? So I think that works at so many levels, you know, and and it can really start at a personal level, I think.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. So building on that sort of uh, mention of excitement then, so I, I took you into this sort of where the doubts may creep in etc so let's go the other route for a minute um so when it's exciting etc what, what are the things that um if it's not too glib that sort of give you joy or or you know make you feel like the winds in your sails when you're doing this work
1: uh i think that i think it's that potential it's that realization of what's untapped here, you and i think when you get people into that Um, Someone described it to me yesterday as that Disney way of thinking. So when you take off the shackles of how we've always done things and you think about, you know, how can we create great experiences here so that people get the best out of sport? People come up with amazing things, you know, and people come up with ideas that don't look anything like what we're doing at the moment. Um, And that gets me excited because that gets me thinking that isn't us repeating things and just trying to get better and better at what we already do. It is us having the vision and the foresight and the bravery to really think about how could this be different. Mm. And I haven't, I'm not ceased to amazed by our capacity for creativity. Um, I think there is so much that we can do better and differently. And I think sometimes it takes a real a real prompt. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone uses this as the example, but you know, the the pandemic and COVID and the restrictions that that brought forced people to really be creative. And what I get really excited about is when you can, when you can foster that creativity in a more positive environment. So you're not having to be creative because there's a catastrophe around the corner. You're being creative because it will lead you towards a better purpose. and um, for me, that's inevitably um, relating to people. Um, and I think you get that best creativity when you've got a good mix of people in the room. Um, and that isn't a bunch of leaders planning in the tower, what the future could look like. That's real people, real deliverers, real policy having those conversations around, if this is what we want the experience to look like, and we were working from scratch, Uh, how how could it look
0: Mm, yeah awesome I feel like I have to say as well for anyone listening so um, I know we've only been working together a short while but that sort of positivity and creativity and so on is something I've definitely experienced working with you and your colleagues and I think um, I almost want to mitigate against anyone that's been listening to this and heard the sort of doubts and worries conversation and thought well you know I'm not sure I want to put myself in that situation but that my experience of um you guys at Sports Wales is that you've unlocked an enormous amount of positivity and energy um even though there will be those doubts and worries and all the rest of it so um, so I think there's inspiration to be taken there as well
1: I'm really glad you've noticed that, Andy, and slightly worried that I didn't do that well enough in my, in my bit about what's made me excited about it. But it, it, it is that people bit, you know, I think um c- c- connecting with people and helping them see the possibilities in this, that, that's so rewarding, you know, and and that probably is what gets you through the doubts and the worries, because because there is something better, I think, on the other side. Yeah.
0: Cool. Brilliant. Well, so before I start to sort of pull things to sort of, together, if you like, as a close, um, just give us a flavour of, given where you've come from, where you are now, etc. What what does the future look like in um, your working in the work at Sport Wales? What, you know, what's the next six months or year looking like? Um, I think there's there's probably
1: two or three major elements to it. I think I think one is. Um, the the first one and the most important one is reconnecting. I think reconnecting with partners physically now, wherever possible, um, reconnecting around purpose and, you know, really having those conversations around what are we in it together here for, you know, what are we aiming towards and why are we doing that? I think it's easy to use it as an excuse, but, you know, COVID did get in the way of that, you know, they, 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 we, we had to talk about COVID because of all the restrictions it threw up. And I think... Over the next six months, I think conversations about stuff other than that and really linked to purpose and just retuning into those relationships um, I think is 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 huge. Um, I think experimentation um, I think is 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 massive over the over the next six months. And I think that's both for partners to experiment with new things on the ground. And for us to experiment with well how do you know how do we get the best out of these partnerships, and where do we get out of the way and what do we do to provide enough assurance and accountability but not get in the way and and again, I don't think we've got that right yet, so I think we need to experiment in that space in the same way as we're asking partners to experiment in their space um and I think this the third one for me and this is a this is a area that I hold quite dear really is. Is really starting to explore why the inequality, um, and I think that will lead to some pretty searching conversations and, and the need to speak to more people. Um, you know, you, you 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 can't achieve the purpose that we're looking for through sport in Wales uh, and not address the inequalities that exist at the moment. Uh, and I do think we need to do some searching in that area to to think about what is it that can be done differently in that space
0: real thanks thanks Owen so I'm excited to be part of that six months one year journey with you I have to say and um, I I, I'm springing this on you so don't feel obliged to say yes but actually I'd be really interested to maybe bring you back on the podcast in six months time and uh, we can have a chat about so what what we done and what we learned and how is it similar or different to what we expected? So, you can answer that another day, but um, it's a thought for the future. Um, so just to start to bring us to a close, then um, I, I asked you in advance to think about you know if you had one bit of advice from your experiences you'd share with people, what would it be? So, fire away. What what are your thoughts? Um,
1: I, I I've got a couple actually. So, um, I, I think the the, the first one, and I, and I don't mean this to be too negative, given given the conversation we have just had, but is is be prepared to stay the course. I, I think you you, you you've got to have enough conviction for this, um, because there will be doubts and worries and niggles along the way. So I think you've you've got to be prepared to stay the course. And from my experience, that would be having enough people around you who you know you can lean on speak to rely on to 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 support with that i think um i think doing this alone would would be pretty tough so i think um that would definitely be a bit of advice from me um and the other bit is um make it relational so when this comes as discomforting or uncertain to partners you know, use relationships. Certainly, in my experience, that you know, I'm not working with people here that I haven't got long-standing positive relationships with. And this shift to something different shouldn't have to challenge that. You know, if it's a, if it's a really good relationship, you should be able to do that and tolerate the uncertainty and and really build on the excitement and the opportunity. Um, I think at times I've been guilty of making, taking this forward quite transactional. And I I forgot the relationship with the person at the end of it, Um, probably in my excitement and my want to drive towards it. Um, But there have been at least a couple of occasions when I really wish I hadn't done that because I've then had to go back and rebuild the relationship. Um, And actually I I didn't need to do that. If I'd made it more relational and less transactional in the first place, uh, I think it would have
0: been smoother. I really like that advice, I have to say, because that, again, rings true for me. And um, just to make, I think, a similar point with different language, just to see if I've understood you. But um, one of the things that I've come to talk about quite a bit is work the work, not the theory. And sort of beating people over the head with a here's my latest new toy is probably not the best way to engage them. So take real problems and work on them. Does Does that resonate? Is that in the same direction?
1: Yeah, I think it's spot on, Andy. I I think I said to you the other day that there's a danger in me of being evangelical and it being about that rather than making the difference on the ground and work the work I I really like. I think that that describes it really well.
0: Cool, cool. Um, Awesome. I've really enjoyed this, actually. I'm kind of sorry to be... you know drawing us to close now but uh but i have to sadly um but i'm gonna have you on the hook for that follow-up podcast one way or another um look for listeners who've enjoyed this who want to find out a bit more or whatever where would you point them to what can they do to find out more or connect um so, so so for me my my
1: sort of Journey into this space probably started with the Kinevan framework and some of the work of, um, of Dave Snowden um, as a professor at Bangor Uni. Um, so that was probably my introduction to this. Um, things that I found super useful since are the human learning systems work. Um, so I think that as um, that for me has brought it to life. I think it's, it's provided real life examples of how this works. And I think that's a huge hook for people actually is if you can show them what it can look like. I think that's a real draw. Um, so so that work's been great. Um, and relatively recently, I found the uh, a podcast called The Clock and the Cat. Um, and I, I found, I, I guess I came to that quite late, but listening to that gave me a lot of confidence around some of the things that we were trying. Um, and probably if I'd listen to that ahead of setting out on this Julie there's some things that I think I would have done slightly differently based on that Lynn.
0: okay cool cool well so what I'll do is chuck some links to that kind of stuff in the text alongside the podcast um and actually I, I don't know if you knew this Owen but literally this morning just before we started recording this I published um a podcast with Toby Lowe from Human Learning Systems talking about that so um so if listeners want to find out more about that um go back one or two editions and uh, have a listen. Um, okay, awesome. And, and I guess one other way that I know people can uh, find out more and connect is we're going to do a, a webinar together, aren't we, um, in September. So probably the other side of most people's holidays, but it will be 9th of September, uh, over a lunchtime, a chance just to have a, a proper um, human-to-human chat about this stuff and explore it. So, Brilliant. Yeah, I look forward to that. Cool. So I'm really looking forward to it as well. Uh, Owen, thank you so much for today. It's been a real pleasure having you on this. um, And uh, I'll have you back soon. (laughs) Pleasure. Thanks very much, Andy. Great to chat. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts and reflections. So please tweet me at NextRadicals or get in touch at NextStageRadicals.net. There you'll also find hundreds of posts and podcasts, sketch notes and stories, reports and resources, which Next Stage Radicals like you have shared as they explore what it takes to make work, work better.